the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If you don't know what that means, if you don't understand what it means, it means the time has come to praise, to worship, to honor the Lord. God bless you. My name is Stephen Mitchell. I'll be hosting with you this next hour. Welcome to the Gypsy Christian Hour. Tonight, we want to dive into the Word of God. It is the beginning of Holy Week. It's the beginning of the Passion Week. Tomorrow is what's known as the triumphal entry of God, of Jesus. Tomorrow is known as Palm Sunday. It's the day that Jesus came into town riding on a donkey, and people worshipped and praised his name. But many times it's said that those same people who laid down palm branches and their coats and who worshipped and shouted that one week later they were the same people who shouted crucify him. What changed in that week? What changed in that time? They had taken their eyes off of Jesus. Tonight before we go into the study We give some time for questions, for prayer. If you have any questions, if you need any prayer, please give us a call. We'd love to pray with you. The phone number is 1-888-995-5552. Again, that's 1-888-995-5552. Tonight, we're going to be looking at and talking about The crucifixion, one of the greatest things, if not the greatest thing, that God has ever done for us. His plan from the beginning, his plan always accounted for it. God was not surprised by sin. God was not surprised by Adam and Eve falling. There's a word that God gave me a while back in that God doesn't have an eraser. Nothing surprises him. He doesn't stop and say, they messed up. I've got to change the plan now. 
God always accounts for what is happening. God always accounts for what is about to happen because he is omniscient. He knew from the beginning of the world, every day, every hour, every minute, every second, every person. The Bible says he knows the hairs on our heads. And so a lot of people think, you know, well, God had to send Jesus because his creation messed up and, and he had to make a new plan. It was always part of his plan. He always knew that even though he created us perfect, he always knew that the need for a Savior would come one day. And so tonight I want to take a look at the crucifixion, the cross of Jesus. But we're going to take a look at what comes after the cross of Jesus. Before we go on, we want to go to line one. We're going to talk to Mike. God bless you. How you doing tonight? I'm doing fine. Thanks. Um, I guess, you know, I have a question and then a prayer. Yes, sir. A prayer for me and my mom, Flo. And the question I have is, you know what? Does God test us on earth like, say, a homeless person says, can I have something? Um, And you give them something. Could that be actually God testing you? Um, yes, it can. Uh, it, it can be. There are tests. There are trials. There are tribulations. The Word promises us that these things will come down upon us. But I'd like to take a uh, a bit of a different view than, than the usual one when it comes to tests. Um, as you probably just heard, I was speaking of God's om- omniscience, right? Yeah. And that is God is all-knowing. So when it comes down to tests, you know, a lot of time what we think is that the one who's doing the testing is waiting to see the results. But when it comes to God, when he is, you know, we'll say testing, it's actually for us to be able to see the results and for us to understand. One of the greatest uh, teachings that God has ever revealed to me is when it comes down to tithing. Tithing is a a bit of a test, but it's not a test so that God would see the results. It's a test so that we would see the results. When we begin to give to God, and not only in finance, but of our lives and of our thoughts and of our hearts, the first fruits, then we begin to see the difference in our lives. And we'll use finances because it's the easiest way to understand it. You begin to give God a tenth of your income. And we see that as a test. But what actually happens is God is showing you that as you can trust him with the tenth, he returns to you blessing. And then you begin to give above and beyond your tenth. You give more than what's required. And God begins to show you, you've given me more. So now I have the opportunity to give you more because now you are a tool in my hands. When it comes to, let's say, giving money to a homeless person. God can be using you as a tool to bless that person. You never know what you might say or what you might give to someone who is in a position where they're waiting on God. And God is using you as the tool. Now, when you're obedient and 
you give the homeless person some money. And God says, I'm going to bless him because he was obedient. And you see God's blessing in return. It's not always financial, but you see the blessing of God. And so the next time you see another one, you might give a little bit more, or you might see two or three or ten. And you begin to give, and now God is showing you how when he can trust you with more, now he'll give you more to do. The Bible says, to whom uh, uh, much is given, much will be required. Uh, we look at the the uh, parable of the talents, and to the one that did something with what God gave him, God gave him much more. And it's the same thing with that. This test is not a test so that God can see what you're doing. It's a test so that you can see how God works. Does that give you a little bit of understanding? You're right, because I didn't think I would have enough to you know, give that month. But you know what? Because my income goes up and down. But you know what? Every month I've always made it, and you know, it's always steady. So I do believe what you're saying, but you think you're not going to make it. But you know what? If he can trust you, you do make it. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I've been in that position before where, you know, it's, it's, I could really use this for the things that I need to do because things are tight, you know, and it happens, but in trusting the Lord and continuing to be faithful unto him, that just showed me how much more faithful God is to us. Okay. Um, I believe, yeah, you're exactly right. What you said, I have, I've, Come to like this, and the same was happening, and you're right, exactly what you have said to me. I've seen that in my own life. Amen. Amen. And you know something? He'll always, always, always take care of those who are obedient to Him. Um, you know, we may not have everything that we want, but we will always have enough. And, and something, the only time that God says to test me in this is in Malachi, I believe it's the third chapter, when God says, bring into the storehouse the tithes and see if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour down so much blessing. And I believe it's the living version that says, it will be so much blessing, you will not have where to receive it. And the idea, the picture that that gives of me is, as the Lord pours down blessings on us, that we don't have where to receive it anymore, so it has to overflow and go to others. It has to overflow and go to those who are around us. You know, the Bible says uh, they will follow you to catch the blessings that are falling from you. You know, the Lord wants us all to be used for each other, to be able to bless each other, to be able to be used as tools in his hands. And when it comes to finances, Jesus talked more about finances than anything else in the Bible. And that's because he knows that's where our heart lies. And if we can unlock that part of our heart and give it to God, then God can do awesome things in and through us. Yeah, I think um, sacrificing has a little bit to do with it, too. If you don't have to sacrifice, it doesn't really mean much to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, um, King David, uh, when he wanted uh, to purchase land to worship God— the owner said, you're the king. I'll just give it to you. And King David said, I will not offer to the Lord. I will not sacrifice to the Lord that which costs me nothing. And then in yeah. the New Testament, you see the parable of the widow with the two mites. 
And there were those who were giving out of their abundance and just, you know, pouring out money into the church. And then this widow who had two mites, which is less than a penny, comes in and with her whole heart, she's offered it to the Lord. And the Lord takes notice of that more than those who are giving from, as you said, from what they have, you know, from the abundance of what they have. Instead, those with the heart who are being obedient to God, who are offering whatever it is they can. Does God want you to empty your pockets and and just give everything and go broke? No, but the frame of mind, the heart of your giving is what is so much more important than the amount. You're right. Um, you know, I give to the Ukrainians with Ron over there right now, and I take care of a 97-year-old. My mother's 97, and I see these little old ladies just, just hobbling and trying to pick up anything they can to find food or something. And I just think as though, what if that was my mother? Would I want somebody to help her, you know? Right, right. And, yeah. and like I said, you never know. Um, there have been many times, um, you know, just recently last week, there was a uh, a street performer who would come into the street in the middle of the street and just perform, juggle and things like that. Yeah. And and I had passed by and the Lord told me, go back. You know, and I was on my way. I was I was doing things. And the Lord, the Spirit just told me, go back and give her something. And I had no cash on me. I, I remembered I had a $5 bill in my dash. Why? I have no idea. But I grabbed that and I grabbed the track out of my out of my truck and I just went up to her and I, I offered her that and I, I stood there a minute and prayed with her and let her know that the Lord brought me back here. And I'll never know what happened to her. I'll never know if that meant something to her. But in times like that, you could have just laid a foundation of faith for somebody that you never knew and that you'll never know. But to them, that day will stick out in their lives forever. You're right, Steve. Thanks for spending some time with me tonight, Steve. Thank you. Not a problem. Not a problem. There was a prayer that you wanted. Okay. Yes, I did. Okay. Yes, you could say a prayer for me and my mom. Like I said, she's 97. You know, I've been taking for quite some time now. So I just pray that, you know, I have some a few more, you know, another day with her every day. Amen. Amen. And what's her name again? Flo. Flo? Yeah. Well, Father, I come before you. And I bring my brother Mike and his mom Flo before you, Father. And your word says that tomorrow is promised to no man. Every day is numbered by you, Lord. So I pray that as each day goes on, that they would, as one, give you glory. That they would have time, Lord, to to enjoy each other. And more importantly, to to enjoy you as one, Father. That your blessings and your healing, your strength and your mercies would overflow within them. And Father, Mike's heart is to give as you make him able to, Lord. Not just in finance, Father, but I pray also in heart, in mind, in ability, that he and many of your children will begin to give from their heart as much as they can and sometimes more than they can and see the blessings, and see the results of trusting God Almighty. Father, you want to build us up to be your kingdom, to be your glory. You want to use us to speak to the lost, to lift up a hurt and broken world. Father, we could be the answer to someone's prayer. 
So I pray that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and faith to act upon the things you call us to. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for spending so much time with me tonight. I appreciate it. Not a problem. God bless you, Mike. Uh, I will keep you guys in prayer. Thank you. God bless. Okay, we want to go to the next line. We're going to go to Lydia, who needs some uh, prayer for healing. Yes, I do. Hi, Lydia. How you doing? I'm fine. I'm just burning. My arms are burning. I don't know if it's an allergy or what, but I feel the burning, and the doctor knows that he's giving medicine, but it's not helping me at all. I need prayer for that. Amen. I know Sam Nicholas, and he was real good. He used to pray for me, but... um, I know you took his place, right? Uh, I'm just filling in for him for a week. He's uh, he's taking a, a bit of a vacation. Um, I actually yeah. grew up with uh, uh, with Sammy, and uh, and so he's uh, asked me just to fill in whenever he's out of town. He just asked me to fill yeah. in for him whenever he I can, and uh, and I'm yeah, happy to. Um, but I know. yeah, let's uh, let's definitely take a moment and pray for you, Father. I come before you, yeah. and we bring our sister Lydia before you. Father, she is in need of healing. I pray that you would pour down your healing oil upon her. Balm of Gilead, cover her right now. (laughs) Father, I pray that you would give wisdom to her doctors, that you would give favor to her, that you would give strength to any medications that they have, and also that you would just put your hand and let your healing fall down upon her. In the mighty name of Jesus, we ask. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you as well. Good night. If you have any prayers, if you have any questions, give a call. We'll be accepting calls for a few more minutes before we get into the study tonight. The number is 1-888-995-5552. Again, that's 1-888-995-5552. And... Before we get into the study, if there are no more calls, this was just something as I was on my way here uh, that I was praying about, and I believe there is someone listening tonight who's in a bad spot with the Lord. They've fallen away. They've ignored. Their walk is weak, and the Lord just put it on my heart just to, to talk to you for a minute about the relationship with God that is lacking. The Bible says the Lord delights in blessing his people. It's it's an enjoyment for God. But one of the main scriptures we're going to be talking about tonight is John 3.16, and it says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son to be crucified to be beaten, to suffer the suffering that we were supposed to just because he loved you and he wanted to be together with you. He just wanted you to be able to be in his presence. You know, in Genesis, when Adam and Eve sinned, it said, and the Lord came into the garden in the cool of the day. This was something that God had always done, and God showed me this is all he's wanted from the beginning 
was a relationship with man. That's the reason he created us. It's the reason that he created the, the temple and the tabernacle and the garden. And it's the reason he sent Christ on the cross. It is the reason for everything that God has done. Not because he needs something from us, but just because he wants to be with us. And if your relationship with God tonight is is in a bad place, if you've fallen away from the Lord, the Lord is speaking to you tonight, and he had placed you on my heart just to tell you he's waiting for you. He's waiting for you. If you'll reach out, he's right there. The word says... If you take one step towards God, he'll take many towards you. The Bible says he'll put your sins as far as the east is from the west. And just to let you know, that means they'll never meet. They're as far away from each other as possible. The Bible says that he has called you by name and that he loves you with a love that you could never understand the height, the depth, or the width of. And it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've said. He is willing to accept you if you will turn from your sins. The Bible says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face and pray and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. If you are in need of healing for your land, tonight is the night that God is calling you out. We want to go back to the phones. Vicki has a question. Hello. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes, there you are. God bless you. How are you doing tonight? Uh, thank you. Good. Thank you, uh, Pastor. Um, I just I wanted prayer for guidance, but also um, I'm in a church where... They teach that you um, that you can't, we're not really saved till Jesus comes back, and that once you're you know you're born again uh, and you put your faith in Christ, that you have to work to get to heaven now, and that you can't really know that you're really saved because if you, if you don't measure up to a standard, then you can't really know for sure if you're saved or not, even though you're born again. And they teach this sort of thing, and I've tried to talk to the pastor, other people alone, and. I can't really, it just ends up in an argument, and I don't want to hear what I have to say. Should I just leave that church? I mean. (laughs) Wow, you're making it easy on me tonight, aren't you? (laughs) Yeah, I guess I am. (laughs) Um, Well, the first thing is, um, the way that the word is structured, James Uh, is where that belief comes from because James says that faith without works is dead. So Mm -hmm. a lot of people uh, have a works-based faith, which um, this is something that I've been talking about a lot. Mm -hmm. When it comes to what James is saying, he is not saying that the only way that you have faith is by working and then therefore your faith saves you. What James is saying is that if you have faith that is a true faith, then there should be fruit from it. And he says, if you show me your works, I'm going to show you my faith. I'm going to show you how, because I believe that God is 
who he says he is. And I believe that Jesus died for me and that I follow him. I obey him. That automatically there is fruit that comes from my life. And a lot of people get that confused. Um, You know, you've, uh, as you said, you've, you've tried uh, to, to speak to the leadership of the church, right? In the past, yes. I haven't lately, but I did in the past, and it just seemed like it uh, ended up in an argument. And I just said, this is not, you know, it's not going anywhere. Right, right. Um, well, if uh, the first thing that we do, uh, the most important thing that we do is to pray and seek the Lord. There are times where things are not exactly ideal. Things are a bit tough, but God could use you in that place. And if God would have you speak to them again, um, you know, hopefully, maybe this time, uh, you guys can get together and, and see where there are errors when it comes to uh, to the Bible and, and what it says. And if not, um, then comes the prayer of, Lord, am, am I to leave this place, you know? Um, I wouldn't want to be the one that that tells you to leave or not to leave unless there was a word from God. And that's something that um, definitely I'll be praying for you about tonight. And I will continue to pray that the Lord gives you guidance on that. Um, Because this is is something that you've got to be able to follow what the Lord says. Um, My advice is always a Bible-based church. And if they are doing things that are not Bible-based and won't take correction, then maybe that's not the place for you. Okay. But let's uh, let's pray now. And as I said, I will continue to pray for you. Uh, and I just pray that the Lord does give you wisdom. Father, okay. your word says that, Are any of you lacking wisdom? Let them ask of God who gives freely and without rebuke. Father, our sister Vicky is is not seeking anything for herself that is a glory to her, but she is seeking to do your will. She's seeking the benefit of your people and of the church, and she is seeking to be somewhere that is Bible-based, Bible-teaching, true doctrine. Father, in this time, I pray that you would give her and those around her wisdom, favor, Father, I pray that if there is a correction that is needed, that you would give those who need the correction understanding. Give them a humble heart. Turn them from the ways that are not correct, Father. A prayer that I pray for myself. Remove anything that needs to be removed and place whatever you want within. And I pray this for those around my sister, Vicky. Lord, I ask that you would give her wisdom Hear her voice and speak to her. Give her direction on how to to help the situation or to walk away from it, Father. I ask in Jesus' name. In Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. God bless you, Vicki. I've written your name down, and I will definitely continue to pray for you. Thank you. God bless. God Good bless. night. We want to go back to the phones and speak with Eric, who has a question. Eric, God bless you. Hi, how are you? Doing all right. How about yourself? I'm doing good. Pastor, 
I believe in Jesus. I read my Bible and I pray. I love Jesus. Will I go to heaven? But I hear demonic voices. These demons say, we believe in Jesus. Ha <laughs> um, I, ha. I don't know if you heard what I was just speaking about in the book of James. Yes, I heard you, yes. Okay. Yes. Actually, right after James says those words, it is the... Uh, I believe it's the second chapter of James. Yes. James says, You say you believe in God. Good for you. So do the demons. And what he's talking about is that there is a difference between those who believe that Jesus is who he is and those who believe and obey the word of God. Obedience is absolutely necessary to believing in Christ because when you believe something, it changes your actions and your attitudes. It changes the things that you care about. It changes the things that you'll say or do. You can believe that God is God and Jesus is Jesus and they've done the things that they've done, but it does not affect you. And that is a demon-like faith. And yes, they do believe. You see in the Bible, they saw Jesus walking and they ran up to him and, and fell on their knees and said, what do you want with us, son of God? So they know who he is and they fear him. But it doesn't change who they are or what they do or what they love or what they care about. But when you are a Christian, that changes who you are. Uh, the book of John tells us that there is a, uh, a new birth, a birth from above. He tells us we are born again. And what that means is that as babies, we learn to walk with Christ. We learn his word. We learn how to become sensitive to his voice. We learn the things that he likes and the things that he doesn't like. The same way that you take on the personality of your mom or your dad, it's the same thing with Jesus. Now as we grow as Christians, we take on his personality by learning who he is, learning the things that he's done, learning the things that he likes and dislikes, and I allowing him to mold us. Sin, I have repented of my sins. Is that enough or no? Uh, repenting of your sins is very important, but here's, here's my question. Do you have an ongoing relationship with Christ? You know, the Bible says that um, uh, if you believe... Uh, repent of your sins, confess, and believe in Jesus as your Savior, then you will be saved. Um, but that key word, believe, that key word doesn't just mean to think that he is, but to live as he is. Yes, we fail. Yes, we'll fall. Yes, we sin. We are human. But my, my granddad... Um, who was my pastor, used to say, you will never be sinless, but the goal is to sin less and less. Less and less, that's true. Um, you know, Romans... Uh, what, is pastor, what is godly sorrow? It says godly sorrow produces repentance unto salvation and leaves no regret. Yes. Godly sorrow produces death. What is godly sorrow? Yes, I've actually uh, uh, shared on that uh, word before, and it, it made a big impact on me. Um, do you know the story of Peter and Judas? Yes, I do. Okay. Peter 
was exactly and Judas did not and that's the perfect example of what that scripture means you can have a sorrow that causes um, you know sadness uh, that can cause depression and it makes no change in your life but that's not the the godly sorrow the godly sorrow is the type that you look at your sin you look at your life and you turn from that and you turn to God you turn away from your sin. To repent just means to do a, a, a 180, to turn around from your sin and walk in the other direction. That's what a godly sorrow is. You know, a, a moment of prayer where you say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I've done, and I don't want to do it anymore. That's true. Okay. Thank you, Pastor. Not a problem. Um, not a pastor. Just love ministering the Word of God, but... Thank you for calling in tonight. Let me uh, let me pray with you before you go, Eric, if you would. Okay. Um, Father, we come under attack. But as your children, we can only come under oppression. Outside forces trying, Father, but what is within your children is your light and your love and your power and your strength. What is within us, Father, is greater than anything this world has to come against us. And I pray for my brother Eric, Lord. Father, that you would pour down upon him your strength, pour down upon him your mercies and your understanding. I pray, Father, that any attacks that come, that he would stand behind the shield of faith, stand behind your word, Father, and that he would stand in you, because the victory will be his. Your word says, when you've done everything to stand, stand. It says, resist the devil and he must flee. There is nothing, no one who is greater or more powerful than our God. And I pray that Eric would begin to take hold of the power that you have placed within his hands. Amen. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. Good night. God Good night. bless you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Good night. Amen. We have one last prayer for Jack and Patsy who need prayer for healing. Father, we pray for Jack and Patsy. You are able to do above and beyond what we can think, ask, or dream. So I pray whatever it is they need in their lives, Lord, whatever type of healing it is, whether it be physical, spiritual, financial, I pray that you would pour down upon them. Father, that you would show them your love and mercy and that they would always keep their eyes on you, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Tonight, I want to get into the Word of God, and we're talking about the cross of Christ but we're actually taking a bit of a different view of it. The first place we're going to go is John chapter 2, and we're going to look at the wedding at Cana. There was a wedding in Cana, and Jesus and his disciples were invited, and they ran out of wine, which was a great embarrassment at that time. And Mary comes to Jesus, and she asks him to do something. And there's that whole exchange but I want to take a look at what happens. It says, verse 6 of chapter 2 says, 
Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servant followed his instructions. We take a look at this, and a lot of people know this story, but there is so much more that happened right here. This is the first miracle of Jesus. And what Jesus is doing is he is taking the jars which the Jews used for ceremonial cleansing before they would sit down to eat, before they would do any type of um, uh, sacrifices or, or any type of movement within the wedding. They would have a ceremonial cleansing. And these pots were set aside for that, and they would wash their hands with this set-aside water, and it would be a cleansing on the outside so that they are ceremonially clean so that um, they can go forward and do the things that they need to. In, in the Old Testament, you see, you can read all about all of the ceremonial cleansings that God set forth before them. Uh, they would, you know, have to set themselves aside for a few days. They would have to go wash in the Jordan. Uh, they would have to do a whole bunch of things, and it was this ceremonial cleansing. But I want you to take a look at something. This was a cleansing of the outside. They would wash the outside. And when Jesus transformed the water into wine, wine is representative of the blood of Christ. And the blood of Christ is what cleanses us. This is what cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And now this wine, which is representative of the blood of Christ, is no longer on the outside. It has to be taken in. They would drink the wine. Today we have a ceremony um, that we do in church. Some do it once a week, some do it once a month. And it's representative of the blood and Christ, uh, the blood and the body of Christ. And it's now no longer a cleansing of the outside. You know, the Bible says, don't clean the cup on the outside and the inside is filthy. It says, clean the cup on the inside and then the outside will shine. The first miracle that Jesus ever did, he is pointing to the greatest miracle, one of the greatest miracles he's ever done. He's pointing to the reason that he came here. His opening statement, his opening miracle is a cleansing miracle and one that is no longer on the outside. He's here to change it to be one that is on the inside. And this was the first miracle that Jesus did, which pointed to the cross. And, you know, when you take your communion, if, if you have a church and you take your communion, the Bible says to do this in remembrance of me, is what Jesus said. And I'd like us to begin to really consider what that means. Everything that he's done, not just his sacrifice, his crucifixion, but there is so much more 
that is involved with what Christ did in order to restore communion between man and God. So we look at the first miracle, and it is representative of his sacrifice. I want to go to Matthew chapter 27. As I said, this is Holy Week. This is Passion Week. This is the week where the world begins to remember what Christ has done. This is the week that everybody sets aside, you know, and and I don't like to say Easter Sunday. I like to say resurrection because Easter has become so commercialized. You know, mostly everybody that you talk to that you mention Easter, bunnies and eggs come up in their mind and it, and it takes away from Christ. It takes away from the sacrifice and it takes away from us realizing and remembering what Christ has done. I want to go to Matthew 27, verse 50. And it says, Then Jesus shouted again, and he released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split apart, and the tombs opened, and the bodies of many godly men and women who had, di- who had died were raised from the dead. They left the cemetery after Jesus' resurre- resurrection and went into the holy city of Jerusalem and appeared to many people. It says that in the moment that Christ died, there are certain things that happened, and all of them represent the power of God going out. Now, I want you to see something. The first thing that happens is, It says the curtain in the temple was torn from top to bottom. You may have heard this before, but that is representative. The curtain was the separation between the presence of God, the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant would be kept. It was the separation representing the separation of man into the presence of God. We could not enter into the presence of God. We could not go beyond the curtain. Only the high priest could. But in the moment that Christ died, notice it says the curtain was torn from top to bottom. It's representation of God tearing the curtain from top to bottom. And this was a very, very thick curtain. It wasn't just the normal one that you have lying around the house. This was an extremely thick curtain. That could not, it actually says that it cannot be torn by man. Uh, I believe it said it couldn't be torn apart by horses. Uh, I'm not sure, I don't remember exactly, but I believe that's what it says. So in the moment of Jesus' death, we now have access to God. The curtain is torn, the separation from being in his presence. You now have the ability to actually be in the presence of God wherever and whenever you want You come properly before the Lord. You seek him, and you can be in the presence of God 
honoring him, worshiping, speaking with him, receiving from him. You don't have to go through the high priest anymore. You don't have to go through another man anymore. You can now come directly to to the Lord by the blood of Christ. That's the first thing that's done. The second thing is that is done, it says the earth shook and the rocks split apart. Absolute power. The Bible says, if you do not praise me, the rocks will cry out instead. And that's what comes to my mind when I read this. The earth honoring, worshiping, recognizing the power of God. And because the power of God was so strong, the earth shook and the rocks split. But here's the one that I want to talk about tonight. It says, And the tombs opened, and the bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the death. Life As soon as Christ died, life, the power of life, went out. Jesus died on the cross and took our sufferings upon him so that we might have life everlasting. And it didn't take a day. It didn't take an hour. It says the moment that he gave up his spirit for you, for me, the power of God went out. And we now have access to life everlasting, life abundant, life in the presence of God, instead of suffering for eternity because of sin. Instead of, as the Bible says, the wages of sin is death. Instead of receiving what we deserve, that's what a wage is. You work for it. You deserve what you get. Instead of receiving the wages for our sin, we now receive the power of life. It happened instantly then, and it still extends till today. The Lord is offering life to those who will be in relationship with him. That's the point that I want to make tonight. There is something that I want to point out to you. It says, the dead in Christ arose. Those who were in Christ, those who have a relationship with Christ, those who walk with him and talk with him. I want to take a look in the book of John. I believe it's the 11th chapter. Chapter 11, verse 1, a man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus is sick. Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God, so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus, he stayed there where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to the disciples, let's go back to Judea. 
going forward, Jesus returns to where Lazarus is after Lazarus had died. And Mary and Martha meet with Jesus and they say, if only you were here, if only you were here, you could have saved him. And Jesus says in verse 23, your brother will rise again. They take Jesus to where he is. And the Lord calls out and says, Lazarus, come out. Come out of your tomb. Come out of where you've been. Come out of death and come to life again. And this is what Jesus has done for us. Jesus has called us out of our death into life. But there is something that you need to see here. It says that this was the brother of Mary and Martha. And you might know the other story with Mary and Martha where Jesus was relaxing in their house. And and a friend of mine had brought this to my attention because I was going to speak about Lazarus and the fact that everybody that ever resurrected died again. But Jesus is still alive today. And a friend of mine had called me and said, I don't know why the Lord said to speak about Lazarus. And he didn't know what to speak about. And we began speaking and And the Lord led him to the relationship that Lazarus had before he had died is what caused him to have life again. You see, in Matthew, it talks about those who were in Christ came back to life. Those who were once dead now have life because of the relationship to Jesus. And it says, Lazarus, who had a relationship with Jesus, who died but lived again. And granted, he died a physical death again. But he will live forever in the presence of God. He enjoyed the presence of God. There are stories of him just being around Jesus and welcoming him into his home and fellowshipping with him. And because of that relationship with Jesus, there was life where there once was death. You know, as I said, this is the week that everybody feels is special and remembers the sacrifice of the Lord, and it's the Passion Week, and and we'll all watch the Passion of the Christ, and and we'll remember it for a few days, and, and it'll be great and wonderful. But I'd like to read Luke 9, 23 to you.
Luke 9.23 says, Then he said to the crowd, If any of you want to be my followers, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily, and follow me. You see, after Resurrection Sunday is done, after Easter is done, how many of us will forget that the Bible says daily? It says, pick up your cross daily. And that word does not mean that the Lord wants to put a weight upon you, a heaviness upon you. What it means is to remember who he was and how he carried the cross. In Hebrews, it says that we should fix our eyes upon Christ who for the joy set before him endured shame, even the shame of the cross. He had joy within him because he knew he would be doing the Father's will regardless of the beating, regardless of the embarrassment, regardless that they placed his head on a pole and played a game of who can punch him harder. Six foot minimum Roman soldiers who knew how to fight played a game with our Savior, which was to see how hard, who can hit the hardest. You know, I I said it the other night when I I spoke about this. There's a, a game at the arcades that is a punching bag, and you see how hard you can punch the punching bag. And there are lines around this punching bag of people seeing how hard they can hit the punching bag and if they can get it to go past eight or 900 or even hit the thousand. And it's a, it's an enjoyment, you know, it's, it's a fun time. And imagine they were doing this with the face of Jesus Christ, but he carried it. He carried it. And it says for the joy set before him, He knew that he would be doing the Father's will. He knew that he would be restoring right relationship. He knew that because of what he has done, we can now enter into heaven for eternity. He knew that he was giving us power. He knew that he was abolishing our sin. He knew these things and it gave him joy. And this is what the Bible says when it says, pick up your cross daily. That pick up means to carry with you. Carry with you the thoughts of Christ. Carry with you the actions and the attitudes of Christ. Even all of these things coming down upon him could not take his joy away from him. And yet today we allow so much to take away from us because we take our eyes off of Jesus. Fix your eyes. Hebrews 12, 2. Fix your eyes on Christ. Nothing else in this world matters. My problems, my hurts, my disappointments, my angers, my lacking, none of it matters. The hurt that others have caused me, the embarrassment, it does not matter. Because I fix my eyes on Christ and He is my strength, He is my joy, He is my direction. And whatever he experienced, whatever he went through, he went through for you. There's a reason he had to come as a man. We sometimes forget that this is God in body. He came 
so that he could be a kinsman redeemer, someone who knows what we've been through. You can't say that God doesn't know. You can't say that Jesus doesn't know because the Bible shows he experienced pain. He experienced hunger. He experienced what it is to be a man. And there is nothing that has happened. There is nothing that can happen to you that he does not know about and that he cannot sympathize with. But it's up to us to keep our eyes on Jesus. What does that mean? That means begin to pray like never before. Begin to read like never before. Begin to seek the Lord like never before. You know, we have all of these phrases and these cliches that we say, you've got to walk with the Lord, you've got to love the Lord. But what does this actually mean? You know, there's a saying, explain it to me like a child. And it's plain and simple. You've got to put your life in a position that cares more about God, that cares more about His Word, that gets desperate for Him. The Song of Solomon is a book about a relationship. And this book speaks of infatuation. The expressions that they use is that I can't breathe without being in their presence. I've got to see them. I've got to hear their voice. I've got to deal with them. I've got to interact with them. I have to be around them because I am desperate. I am infatuated. And that is the expression of God towards man. And ours is supposed to be the same. If you read the Song of Solomon, it goes both ways. Good night. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.